You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Doomsday. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today. Near the beginning of each year, as was the case this year, a group of scientists, originally from the University of Chicago, publishes its findings about the health of our planet, the world. The way they explain this is via a clock face. Twelve o'clock midnight represents total catastrophe where conditions on our planet will be so bad that it becomes uninhabitable. I'm sure you're aware of some of the ongoing problems the world faces. Some of these problems are pollution, overpopulation, food shortages, water shortages, deforestation, rise in carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases, decline of the ice caps and glaciers, rise in temperature of both air and seas, decline of natural species, pestilences, and there's more. Twelve o'clock midnight is reckoned as doomsday. In 2019, scientists moved the symbolic hands of the clock forward and currently regard the state of our planet as worse than it was in the previous year. According to the doomsday clock, there are only 100 seconds left before the world is in catastrophic condition, doomsday. The big catchphrase in 2020 is global warming, being replaced, of course, by the coronavirus. Many people are concerned about global warming, and the problem is attributed to human activities such as I described a little earlier. Not everyone accepts global warming as a fact. Some regard the heating up of our planet as a natural variation in the climate. Interestingly, the doomsday clock scientists have highlighted a few factors that have influenced their assessment insofar that 2019 was worse than the previous year. The first of the factors is the increasing risk of nuclear explosions, or even nuclear war. Apart from the damage caused by a nuclear explosion, radiation and radioactive dust in the upper atmosphere would have disastrous effects. They claim national leaders have ended or undermined several major arms control treaties and negotiations during the last year, creating an environment conducive to a renewed nuclear arms race, to the proliferation of nuclear weapons, and to lowered barriers to nuclear war. Political conflicts regarding nuclear programs in Iran and North Korea remain unresolved and are, if anything, worsening. 
U.S.-Russia cooperation on arms control and disarmament is now all but non-existent. The second factor causing alarm is climate change. At UN climate meetings last year, national delegates made fine speeches but put forward few concrete plans to further limit the carbon dioxide emissions that are disrupting Earth's climate. This limited political response came during a year when the effects of man-made climate change were manifested by one of the warmest years on record, by extensive wildfires, and by quicker-than-expected melting of glacial ice. Surprisingly, the third factor threatening life on Earth is cybercrime and the spreading of false information. The doomsday clock scientists have inclined, sorry, they have included the following statement in their bulletin. Continued corruption of the information ecosphere on which democracy and public decision-making depend has heightened the nuclear and climate threats. In the last year, many governments used cyber-enabled disinformation campaigns to show distrust in institutions and among nations, undermining domestic and international efforts to foster peace and protect the planet. Other factors leading to breakdown in sustaining life have been identified as genetic engineering, artificial intelligence, especially as it relates to military weapons, development of increasingly powerful weaponry and lack of political cooperation. Will the children of today have a suitable environment to live in, say, 30 years' time? Some environmental scientists are very sceptical that planet Earth will be suitable for habitation by the year 2050. The one thing the doomsday scientists and the Bible have in common is that the world will come to an end. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3 is recorded about what happened one day when the disciples asked Jesus a question. The question was, tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus proceeded to answer the question and in verse 6 stated, You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Then later, in verse 14, being quite specific, Jesus gave a sign. He said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then 
the end will come. God gave the prophet Daniel some significant visions regarding world history. Those visions, in those visions, were outlined the world's history from the time of the Babylonian Empire to when worldly nations are no more and when God sets up his eternal kingdom. Some religious groups have the mistaken idea that when Jesus returns to collect the saints, that's his faithful people, that he will immediately set up his kingdom on earth and reign here for a thousand years. However, in Daniel chapter 12 verse 1, Daniel writing about the conditions on the earth just prior to the return of Jesus had this to say, And at that time... Michael shall stand up, the great prince, who stands for the children of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even up until then. I believe what he was referring to applies to social conditions as well as environmental conditions. There'll be difficult times for everyone. And while I'm recording this program today, you will know that the earth is saturated with the coronavirus and very strong steps are being made to control the spread of this horrible disease. Probably some of you have been wondering if man will be responsible for the ultimate destruction of the earth? The answer is no. Revelation 11 is about events leading up to the end of the earth. Verse 18 says, The nations were angry, and your wrath, O God, has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. It's obvious that God will mete out just justice at the end. Those who have been wicked will be destroyed. Those who destroy the earth, as the passage says, are not just those responsible for environmental damage, but include those who are disobedient, who disregard God's sacred law, and those who live selfishly regardless of the physical, environmental, sociological or spiritual damage they might cause. God, in the end, has the ultimate say. When we consider world history as the Bible teaches, originally when God created the earth, how did he make it? Well, it was good. It was unpolluted. It was beautiful and ecologically stable. What caused the decline? The decline came about through the introduction of sin. Now, I'm aware that that tired old theory of evolution teaches that things are evolving from a less perfect to a more perfect state. 
Now, if that is so, why are we experiencing massive degradation of basically every natural system on the planet? And I must here add that the world population and the rate of population increase counters the argument that man first appeared on the planet 150 million years ago. In that length of time, the population of the world should have increased to, increased to much more than 7.5 billion. It should have grown to billions of billions. The Apostle Peter has written about the Day of the Lord. Now, I'm aware that many people believe that the Day of the Lord, also called the Lord's Day, refers to Sunday, the first day of the week, because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. But it is assumed that Sunday is the day of the Lord. Notice, I said assumed. The Bible clearly states in Mark that the day of the Lord is the Sabbath, Saturday. In Mark 2.28, Jesus said, Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And then in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13, God reiterates that his day is the Sabbath. He said, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honourable, and shall honour him, not doing your own ways, and goes on. So you heard there, in those two clear statements, that the Lord's day is the seventh day Sabbath. Now, see if you can find any definition of the Lord's day being Sunday in your Bible. Now, I'm going to tell you now, I wish you luck. Others have tried in vain. The Lord's day, the seventh day, is the Sabbath. Nowhere in the Bible can you find that the Lord's day, the Sabbath, has been transferred to the first day of the week, Sunday. That is an invention of man that has not been authorised by God. To put this in stronger terms, it should be said, that Sunday worship is a counterfeit and is authored by Satan because he is in opposition to God. Like I said earlier, Sunday is assumed to be the Lord's Day, but it's not. However, the Bible speaks of another day, the Day of the Lord, in relation to the second coming of Jesus, and I'm going to talk to you more about that straight after the break. My soul is lost, so lonely and so cold. Just like a lamb 
shepherd Hear my cry and lead me home The hours go by On frightened wings of flight While wolves of hell Are waiting for the night To claim the soul That wanders from the fold Oh gentle shepherd Hear my cry and save my soul sharing with you now is the second understanding of the expression day of the Lord or the Lord's day. I'm going to read to you from chapter 3 of 2 Peter verses 9 to 14. It says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to, f to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So the day of the Lord refers to the end of the world, marked by Christ's return, when he comes to collect those who have been faithful to him. Before leaving earth to go back to heaven, Jesus made this solemn promise, and it's found in John chapter 14, 1 to 3. 
He said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 is this promise. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall be with the Lord. Now, there are two comments that need to be made here. When Jesus returns to collect his people, he does not set foot on the earth. This is not the time when he sets up his kingdom on earth. That comes later. The second point is that Jesus will come in person to receive his people. He does not send an envoy. He gave his life for those who are saved and he wants to receive them himself. He doesn't also either arrange that people should just simply rapture. And you know there's so much misinformation about the return of Christ being taught in some churches today about a secret rapture and all the Jews being saved and so on. It's a false doctrine and does not fit with other scriptures. The secret rapture teaching is a sensational deception. Although we need to be prepared and ready for Christ's return at any time. Jesus is coming in person to receive his people unto himself. They don't just disappear into the vapour, as is commonly taught. The return of Christ will be happy, a happy event for some, and a disastrous event for others, the wicked. It marks the time of the end of the world. The book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ, of how he has worked to save mankind, of the great forces, good and bad, seeking to control human beings, and about Jesus' coming and what happens later. Chapter 16 is about events on earth leading up to the end. One of those events is explained in verses 8 and 9. It says this, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him, that's the sun, to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him the glory. Is global warming the result of man's activities? Or is it a plague sent by God? In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2 is a verse explaining the end of the world. 
And it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. The prophet Isaiah was given by God messages to share with the people. Through Isaiah, God said, and this is found in Isaiah thirteen nine to 10 Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. The doomsday clock scientists envisage a catastrophic end to the world, and that opinion agrees somewhat with what the Bible teaches. The doomsday scientists blame the ultimate degradation of the planet due to the activities of man. It also agrees with what the Bible says, except that because of man's sinful ways, God will have no choice to end what he made in the first place. But you know, it's not all bad news. For the wicked, it is bad news. They will receive the punishment they deserve. But for the righteous... God's faithful, obedient ones, there is a future of peace and happiness. Instead of destruction, God's people will experience deliverance. Mark 13, verses 26 and 27, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds, with great power and glory. And then he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect, from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. What sort of existence will God's people, the saints, experience then? Well, the Bible gives us a small glimpse in Revelation chapter 21, verses 2 to 5, which says this, And I, John, heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. My dear friends, I accept that doomsday is real. It is coming, and the destruction of the world will happen. But it holds no fear for me, because the word of God assures me that there is a bright future for those 
who are obedient and faithful to our Lord. Fear or assurance? Doomsday or eternal bliss? To me, the choice is obvious. But what is your choice?